The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee Yes, sir. We're right back at it. It's all eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward, and we have a gem of a show for you tonight. Special guest, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network, uh, hooks up with me for an interview. Get the scoop on Jadavian Clowney. He's been all over that story and more. Uh, insider news on the NFL from him. A tremendous interview. You're going to love every minute of it. Plus, around the NFL, take a look at Cam to the Patriots. Uh, preseason changes down to two games. We'll give you those dates. Talk a little bit about how that affects the Browns. Who will call plays for the Browns? Uh, Evan and course, our mailbag. We'll get to it all here on All Eyes on Cleveland. You start getting excited. And there it is. We're right back at it. Mikey on the ones and twos. All eyes on Cleveland. You can catch all of our shows where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Radio.com, and Google Play. We'll be published tomorrow morning. At USA Today Sports Media Groups, the Brownswire.com, where I write. Um, and you can, of course, visit the webpage for this podcast, All Eyes on Cleveland.com. Thanks to everybody out there who's been buying up the gear and the t shirts. Got the winner winning t shirts sent out. I'm pumped. I'm so excited. Mikey, I, I haven't been this excited in a long time. Tony, Paul, Ian, all over the story with Jadavian Clowney. We're going to get right to that interview so that you can get uh, the inside scoop on all this stuff. Uh, blessed to get him on the show. Uh, he did a tremendous job, uh, and uh, I know you will enjoy it thoroughly, uh, and uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it big. Um, we're going to come back after that, uh, talk a little bit about Cam to the Pats. Got to talk about Cam to the Pats just for a minute. I got a couple thoughts on that, but more so about the Browns being the only other team to talk to him. Strange. I've been told to calm down about that uh, by several people that I reached out to. Uh, but uh, I'm not calm. I'm excited, baby. I want to talk about it. And uh, preseason changes, looks like two games. How will that affect the Browns? And who will call plays for the Browns? I think it's time to make a decision. Jeff Risden wrote an article about this at brownswire.com. I agree with him wholeheartedly. Let's let's make a decision on that. Uh, And then, of course, a couple questions in the mailbag. We'll get you up and out of here. But the feature presentation of this show certainly tonight tony pauline pro football network nfl insider nfl draft analyst man he is good uh enjoy here it is tony pauline from pro football network and myself uh in an interview enjoy 
And we are truly elated to welcome tonight's guest to All Eyes on Cleveland, the chief draft analyst and NFL insider for Pro Football Network, the one and only Tony Pauline. How are we doing this evening, Tony? I'm okay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, excited to have you. Uh, we have been following uh, the Jadavian Clowney uh, saga uh, since it started, trying to keep up with it uh, week in, week out. So let's uh, let's go right there, um, if you don't mind. What, uh, what has Clowney been up to, uh, Tony? Well, several people have told me that he's in Florida right now training. Uh, at a facility. I was on, I did an interview with John Clayton the other day. John Clayton reports that he's training in Texas. I don't know. My information is that he's training in Florida. He's in good shape and, and he's ready to go. Um, but you know, well, with the situation being what it is with COVID-19, <clears throat> there's no one down, there's no teams rushing to work him out or, uh, basically get him in the mix. Yeah, in order, I wanted to ask you that in order to like get a physical on him, is that it has to be done through a third party? Is that how I understand that? Not, no. It's, uh, I mean, it, it differs from team to team. Okay. Some teams only accept physicals if it's done by their doctor in their facility. Okay. Uh, and teams are not allowed to open their facilities to players. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. Other teams allow team doctors to do the physical in their own private offices. I cannot see uh, any case, especially someone like Clowney, Jadavian Clowney with the money that he wants and the money that's going to be paid out to him and his injury history, that any team is going to accept a physical from a third party on Jadavian Clowney. That makes total sense. Absolutely. So is he then, to, to your knowledge, Tony, is he fully recovered from um, his surgery to repair his core muscle injury? I don't know that it's a problem. I mean, those injuries sometimes, you know, take time to heal and you're never really going to know until he's involved in full contact. I'm not told that it's a problem, but, you know, I'm not a doctor and and I really don't know any doctors that have examined him. Uh, And even if they did, I think it's going to be, you know, they're going to be very, uh, very hesitant to release any information. Yeah, absolutely. Let's um let's move on then to your latest here that uh kind of story that you broke here with him. Um I, I think you maybe spoke to somebody in his camp, right Tony, or someone uh close to him and and he seemed to uh you know have some news on his uh the length of the deal that he wants potentially or maybe where he would prefer to go. Yeah, I mean, I spoke with somebody in his camp, uh, somebody I've been speaking to for the longest time and have known for a while. And they basically said, you know, if he has, if he had his preferences, he'd play for either the New Orleans Saints or the Dallas Cowboys. Problem is, both of those teams are up against it uh, as far as the cap is concerned. Right. Uh, it'd be a good fit for both teams. I mean, uh, Dallas, everyone thought they were going to take Clavon Chase on this year in the draft. And then they kind of switched people up and they switched courses and they took CD lamb, the receiver from Oklahoma, who I think was a good selection. Um, but that's where he preferred to play as far as, uh, you know, the deal. I, I mean, he entered the off season looking for a three year deal. And the, he was asking for 20 to 22 million. Then that consistently came down. And I was hearing it was about 14 to 15 million. And now I'm told it's a situation where he'd sign a one year deal with a playoff contending team that he feels he could help take through the playoffs to take uh, through the next, the next step. The problem for Clowney is his options are diminishing and they're diminishing quickly in large part, not, not because he's done anything bad. It's because of, of his uh, huge contract demands at the beginning, but just the general situation with COVID-19 with, uh, you know, teams preparing the salary cap, not only for this year, but for next year, roster sizes and things like that. It, I, I'm sure it's, it will eventually get done with Clowney. But as I've said on a, a number of podcasts, podcasts that I do, you know, the teams are not in a rush right now. Teams are, are not uh, in a rush to sign players because the landscape still has to be settled. Yeah, certainly. Um, and we'll get to that a little more here in a moment. Uh, but as far as the offers he's received, 
Um, and you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network. Um, Seattle uh, was rumored uh, or reported by Pro Football Talk Mike Florio to have offered somewhere in the 15 million range over for one year. We heard the same thing about the Browns and then even a couple rumors that they may have gone higher than that. Tennessee kind of seems to be playing a waiting game. I mean, none of those teams, I take it that if, if Cleveland really did offer him 18, I take it that he doesn't see them as a team that's going to uh, compete for the playoffs in his mind. Yeah, I mean, I tried to track that down, and no one from his uh, team was willing to confirm that the Browns would have made a huge offer when that story came out. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know the – you know, I, I'm, I, I don't know – I can't confirm anything as far as that's concerned. I, I think as we get closer to the season, you'll see more offers – uh, there was talk about the New England Patriots. I know the Patriots were interested in them, but they were not going to offer a lot of money. The Patriots usually don't. And then they mm-hmm. went and signed Cam uh, Newton, although they're really paying Cam Newton not too much. Uh, you know, I, I, I think you've had the general suspects there. There have been talk about uh, he'd like to go to New York, I heard, uh, about a month ago. I don't know that the Jets with Joe Douglas are going to part with big money for Davian Clowney, especially for one year, although that would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think it's all just pure speculation at this point. Okay. Okay. It, and we know, but we know Seattle and the Browns have been in talks with them, right? We can at least say that. I know this as far as Seattle is concerned. I know that Seattle really wanted to re sign him and bring him back from the get go. But from what I was told and I reported, he didn't seem very cooperative with Seattle. Uh, and, and then when the situation kind of took a downturn where, with the whole COVID-19 situation, where it seemed less and less likely he was going to get the money, he was going to sign anytime soon. I believe John Schneider came out and said, yeah, we'd love to have him back, but we can't fit him, fit him under the salary cap. Now, you know, they may be able to get him in for one year. But uh, I know early on Seattle wanted him back for uh, – you know, for a multi-year deal, but I was told he just wasn't very cooperative with them uh, when, when free agency began. Yeah, quote unquote, met with a shrug. I think is what I read somewhere. So uh, that's interesting because um, he did come out and say that he liked his time there and he really liked the Seattle. You know, his playing for Seattle. But then, you know, when the negotiations came, I guess. Uh, they weren't in his ballpark at that, at least at that point for his number goes. Do you think he gets what he wants number wise, Tony? Do you think he gets that offer above 15 million? No, no way. Not at this point in time. Yeah. Too many, uh, too many variables that are out of his control that are out of the league's control. Uh, you know, it, it's 15 million now. Back in March, it was twenty to twenty-two million a year. So yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's probably going to be more in the twelve to thirteen million dollar range. I could be wrong, but you know, the longer this goes on, the less leverage he has, and I, I think more and more the, the value may go down. It could be a a uh, incentive laden contract, mm-hmm. a la what the uh, Patriots did with Cam Newton, but I don't think anyone's going to offer him fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year to play in two thousand twenty. Interesting. Very good stuff. You are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Very special guest, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network joins us. Um, Let's pivot here to a little more Browns-focused stuff. Tony, I'm interested to hear what you think of uh, the job that Andrew Barry has done so far. You know, I I think it's a situation where whether it's bringing in uh, Jack Conklin – whether it's drafting Jedrick Wills to play left tackle. I mean, I think there's a lot of upside, but there's also some downside potential. They gave Austin Hooper a lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, you know, basically to be a, a, a second tight end, not a number two tight end, but a second tight end when they got Njoku on the uh, roster. Then they went and they uh, selected uh, Harrison Bryant in the draft. Uh, I mean, I like some of the picks they made. I, I think they hit a home run with Grant Delpit in uh, round two of the draft. Uh, as they did, I think, with Greedy Williams the prior year, a guy who fell for no reason at all. I, I, I think with, with Jordan Elliott, they got a potentially very good player again, uh, a guy with a lot of upside. But guys who have upside also have a downside. So I, I think 
you know, it looks good on paper. It's just a matter of transitioning it onto the football field. That does not always work out. Yeah. Um, so that brings you or them to the next change they made, which is obviously the head coach with Kevin Stefanski. Do you think um, that they are a playoff team potentially? Obviously, they have a lot of talent on, on paper, as you mentioned. Um, it obviously didn't work with Freddie Kitchens. Stefanski seems like the adult in the room, at least for us here in Cleveland. He's a kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, do you think they could potentially be a playoff team, Tony? I think it's going to be very tough. I mean, with Baltimore in the division, you know, right. Pittsburgh with the Roethlisberger coming back. You know, the fact that players have been kept out of the facility, the fact that there's been no rookie mini camps, there's been no regular mini camps for the veterans, there's no OTAs, means that Stefanski is really going to be behind the curve as far as implementing his system with brand new players. So that right there is a major obstacle. First-year coach in the situation that we're facing with COVID-19, where he's not allowed to be, you know, he can't be around his players face-to-face. I mean, you can do it, you know, uh, you can have virtual meetings, but some people right. are, are, are like me where it's a trial and error situation. I'd be very concerned, very concerned about Jedrick Wills moving from right tackle to left tackle. That's a completely different position. It's not just a physical thing. It's also a mental thing moving to left tackle. So that would be a major concern for me. And and then there's the fact that you just don't know how these guys are going to react going from being a terrific coordinator where he is responsible for basically one-third of the team to being the head coach where he is in charge of the entire team. Didn't work out for Freddie Kitchens. Didn't work out for Pat Shermer in Cleveland or New York. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Pat Shermer did a good job with the offense with the New York Giants. Did a good job developing Daniel Jones. But he was a terrible head coach. Just made terrible uh, in-game decisions. So I I think it's really going to be an uphill battle as far as the Browns being uh, a playoff team this year because there are so many obstacles to overcome. But then again, you know, a lot of a lot of other teams are going to have to face those obstacles. I just think in that division with Baltimore, with with Roethlisberger coming back, with teams that have uh, talented offensive lines that have played together for a while, you know, Cleveland's adding two talented but brand new pieces on the offensive line with their left and right tackle, and really the secret to an offensive line is not just talent but cohesion. Guys playing together, uh, getting used to each other. And these guys aren't going to have it through because of no mini camps. You know, we're now down to two preseason games, which I know the players are happy with. But that takes away from Stefanski being able to implement his system, you know, and and his style on the team. I want to ask you more, uh, Tony, about those two preseason games here in a second. But real quickly, two uh, points of interest here. Um, I've been reading a lot of uh, the stuff on the 2021 salary cap. Uh, potentially going down or probably going down or, or, you know, at least it is an unknown at this point. Um, with the, the event, the, initially they were talking about their negotiations for an extension with Miles Garrett. Uh, it got obviously delayed. They were said to have been close at one point. Do you think that the Browns just hold off completely now because of the unknown of the 2021 cap? I think all teams are going to really have to hold off on extensions as players are going to have to hold off on extensions because of the situation. Now, you know, if you listen to uh, my podcast, the draft analyst podcast, which was released this morning, what I had reported is what's being talked about in the league. It's not a definite yet. There, there are no particulars yet, but what's being talked about is basically keeping the 2021 salary cap at a level where the 2020 salary cap is, and then Mm -hmm. basically financing future salary caps to make up the difference. <clears throat> so hypothetically, if the 2000, if the 2020 revenues or the revenues from the 2020 season dictate a salary cap of say $175 million, rather than drop the salary cap, what I'm told the league is seriously considering is keeping the salary cap level at $200,000. And then from future increases in revenue and what should be future increases in the salary cap, taking a portion of that money to pay back that $25 million in this hypothetical instance that was used to artificially inflate 
the salary cap. So I, I, I mean, that is something I'm, I'm sure that first of all, that, that's that's not going to be. I, I don't think anything is going to be decided on that for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's something to consider when you're uh, renegotiating contracts. I, I don't think any team is going to renegotiate any contract extension for a while until they get a grip on what's happening. Uh, you know, it, it, it may upset some of the high price players, but the problem is, is, you know, the, the extensions to the superstar players are going to come at the expense of the second and third tier veterans who are going to basically be left looking on the outside in because, you know, if, if you want to give extensions and you want to pay your hot, your, uh, your top tier players, the money's got to come from somewhere, and, and what you're going to see happen, what you're likely to see happen, is a lot of minimum wage players in 2021, so the top tier guys <clears throat> can get paid. And what that means is a lot of your second contract or third contract guys that have been in a league for a while are looking for a bite of the apple, maybe on the outside looking in. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely brutal for the Browns at this point. My whole life, Tony, I, I they've probably extended somebody to a second contract maybe twice that I can remember uh the Browns have you know in the last you know 10 15 years and now they have you know Garrett Chubb Ward Ogunjobi you know Mayfield it just doesn't it seems like uh too much at once maybe here and this timing doesn't really uh work out real well for that situation it doesn't, but it's not, you know, it's nothing that the Browns can control or the players can control. It's out of their, it's out of their control for the, at least the foreseeable future. I, I, I mean, I firmly believe there'll be a football season in 2020. I think it'll be, you know, if it's not 16 games, maybe it's 14 games. And, you know, I, what, what could happen is in my specu- speculative, uh, speculative belief is, if there is kind of a pullback in revenues because there's no fans in 2020, things like that, you'll just see an explosion in 2021 mm-hmm. because people are just going to uh, want to get out there and get to the games and, you know, <coughs> excuse me, catch up on what they've been missing. Uh, so you, you may see higher than expected revenues the following season because people, you know, like, listen, look, we got to get back to where people are saying that now. But if they're not allowed to do that in 2020, they may be, in 2021, they be, may be saying, you know what, we got to get back to, you know, I'm sick and tired of this, got to get back to where I was. That's tremendous stuff. You're listening to Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network on All Eyes on Cleveland. A couple more questions and I'll let you go here, Tony. Um, as far as Nick Chubb goes, and obviously giving running backs a second contract is something that, uh, teams are, you know, get burnt on, and then you you see McCaffrey, and he's a totally different type of guy. Get his second deal. Would you consider Nick Chubb a second contract uh, type of a running back? Is he that special, or or not really? You know, it depends on is he a good fit for Kevin Stefanski's system. That that's right. got to be the first question. And I would say yes when you look at the type of backs that Safonsky had uh, success with at Minnesota. Uh, so it, it's not only in this day and age in, in football, it's not just talent. It's the way the talent fits the system. You know, I would say yes. Uh, he's been a solid player. I would, you know, I don't believe that good running backs are expendable. Uh, you know, if he's furthering the cause, if he's helping the team, you want to keep him in fold. I think the the bigger question will be answered is how he fits Stefanski's system, and I think on paper it's a pretty good fit. I, I agree. Uh, very good. Uh, good to hear. Um, so these loss of preseason games, as you mentioned, it hurts the Browns. They're already kind of up against it with the lost OTAs and lost time. Now, when it comes to evaluating players and ultimately cutting these players – you lose two games in that process. So for the Browns, you know, installing an offense, trying to see your starters and evaluating the roster, this gets tricky. Um, what, and then throw in COVID-19. What is the NFL? Do you know what the NFL plans to do with the rosters? Uh, you know, in case of, you know, um, a bunch of positive tests, do you know what they uh, plan to do? With these cuts, like cut dates, are they going to change? Do you have any information on that? Well, you're, you're kind of asking two different questions there, which I yeah. we, we talked about last night at, at, in my podcast. 
And basically, the first question is, the belief is right now that the rosters for Kemp are going to be set at 75 rather than the 99 it's been in the past. Now, how it gets to that 75 is still, from what I'm told, up for debate, whether it's the team's report on July 28th, hypothetically, and you've got to be down to 75 at that date. But when when camp opens their doors to uh, uh, to the players or whether they're going to have a week of uh, camp for just the rookies, uh, the drafted players, the undrafted uh, free agent players, maybe some second year players that weren't drafted. And then you're going to make an initial cut down from there. And with the veterans that you're bringing, you're going to be at a total of 75. There's a lot of ideas that are bouncing around there. The belief is, is that when camp opens or when you have your full complement of players there, the number is going to be 75. As far as if, if there is a COVID breakout, as I reported last night, what I'm hearing is there's going to be a special or what they're looking at now. And again, this is a very fluid situation. There, there's nothing uh, set in concrete. And I think the NFL needs to be applauded for that. Uh, rather than saying this is the way it's going to be and having to change it. But what I'm hearing is they're looking at a special NFI, non-football injury list, specifically for COVID-19 positive players, where if you test positive for COVID-19, you're on this NFI, non-football injury list for two weeks or however long it takes. They're going to pay the players a specific amount of money that are on this COVID NFI list, and then when they're off, when they are uh, uh, basically out of quarantine, I guess, after the 14 days or, or whatever the doctors say, they can bring them back onto the active roster. That is the word that's going around now in the league. Nothing concrete, but that's what they're talking about. You seem confident and more confident than other people that I've talked to, Tony, that they will get this season in. Why, why do you feel so confident in that? Well, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get political on all this, but the fact is this, you know, the mortality rates are dropping. I know people are going crazy when they see the numbers of people that are testing positive. But, you know, if you look beyond the numbers and, and you do some research, you'll find that, you know, there are in, uh, infectious disease experts in Italy, as well as doctors at the University of Pennsylvania that are that are saying the virus is weakening as it spreads throughout you know, society and the number of uh, severe cases today compared to what it was three months ago uh, are, are reduced. That doesn't mean there aren't any severe cases. It just means that there are less severe cases. I mean the CDC themselves came out a week ago and said that they believe the actual number of people who would test positive in the United States of America – for COVID-19 are actually 10 times the amount of, uh, of the number that are being reported as positive. Now, you can look that up. That's from the CDC, which basically says that, yeah, it's going to be severe for some people, but overall, the severity to the general population, never mind a group of incredibly fit athletes, is probably significantly reduced to what we're reporting now. I, I think there's going to be some caution. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a difference, in my opinion, and people I've talked with, with just because you test positive doesn't mean terrible things are going to happen. I mean, the majority, a large majority of people who test positive are asymptomatic or have minor symptoms. So I, I just don't feel, and I think that as we get further along, you're going to see more positive tests, but the ons- onslaught of that is mortality rate is dropping and the uh, advice or at least the uh, the talk from doctors is it seems that there are fewer and fewer severe cases uh, coming from it. Yeah, that's tremendous news and something that kind of we've talked about on the show. Uh, I certainly think that they will find a way to get the season in, uh, and I haven't gone that far into the research, obviously. So great stuff there, Tony. Tremendous. Um, I cannot be uh, more thankful for your time. Um, you are uh, the NFL draft analyst, chief NFL draft analyst, and NFL insider at Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com. Make sure you follow Tony 
on Twitter at Tony Pauline and Pro Football Network is at PFN365. You are the co-host of uh, NFL Draft Insiders with Andy Herman. Is that right? Uh, yes, NFL Draft Insiders with Andy Herman and NFL Draft Analysts with Chris Tripodi. So, yes, I'm all over the place. There you go. You are a busy man, and and, and people can find those podcasts uh, where all popular podcasts are found, I'm sure, Tony. Uh, that's what I'm told. <laughs> that's what you're told. I bring the content, not the technology. Very good. You brought some great content to us, and, and I cannot be more thankful for your time. So um, thank you so much, and uh, maybe we can do it again uh, here in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Tony. There it was, a absolutely tremendous interview from Tony Pauline. I mean, talk about getting the inside scoop on things. He had it all for us, um, and uh, we'll recap some of that for you here because that information is just too good uh, not to go over real quickly. Again, a lot of it there, um, especially the end, you know, I've been nothing but trying to stay positive with this, you know, NFL season, hoping we can get it in, and uh, some good news there uh, from him um, and his research and the people that he's talked to, and it looks like the NFL is really uh, trying to plan this out um, and stay flexible, as he said, as they are to be commended, uh, as it is a completely fluid situation. Uh, Go ahead and kill that, Mikey. Mikey on the ones and twos behind the glass doing his thing here as we are, uh, as I continue to put together the home studio. I put up some pictures on Twitter of it, uh, and uh, we're getting there a couple more steps since the last time you saw it. We'll get some pictures out here in a couple days. Uh, I got some more, uh, pad, another order of padding in uh, sound pads. Got almost the whole room sound padded off here. Just a couple uh, spots. Uh, I got to finish up. Had to order an extra box of the sound pads there uh, for the home studio as we're trying to do big things here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, and... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about what Tony had to say here. The the most important stuff. So the clowny deal, he doesn't think he'll get that offer as high again. Uh, You know, he's focused on Dallas in New Orleans. Now, Dallas only has $11.2 million uh, left uh, under the uh, cap. Uh, The Saints only have $9 million under the cap. So that would take some salary cap gymnastics for them to get Clowney uh, or make an offer that Clowney would uh, jump at. Um, Those are his two destinations of choice, according to Tony. uh, And Tony said he talked to uh, Clowney's camp, which is pretty uh, a good source, I would say. Uh, So you've got that information there. Um, We know the Browns probably offered... Up to I I read up to eighteen million at one point. Now <clears throat> I don't know uh, what where we stand. You know he brought in some other names like the Patriots in New York. Is uh, it really just been Seattle Browns in Tennessee? So it seems there's quite a few suitors out there. Maybe a bigger market than we initially realized for him. He didn't. He did say that he didn't think he would get. Um, the longer he waits, he's losing leverage and he won't get over that, probably over that 15 million per year mark, which is interesting because he probably could have had it, uh, from the Browns at one point. Um, 
not a destination of choice, it doesn't appear. Uh, Strange thing is he talked really positively about Seattle, Clowney, that is, and then, you know, uh, quote, unquote, their $15 million one-year offer was met with a shrug, uh, according to Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk. So interesting there. Uh, Not jumping at that either and then really got into some good stuff at the end uh he, he reported to us today uh, and on his podcast he said this morning that he is hearing 75 is the number for uh camp so instead of the 90 you're looking at 75 and he even mentioned a potential few days to a week of uh practices we could see um, with uh, undrafted free agents, rookies, etc., uh, you know, invite camp invites that would allow um, the front office to get that number to 75 before the full complement of players arrive and, and full camp gets underway. So he's hearing that that number uh, is potentially uh, what we could be looking at. That sounds. Uh, it sounds like a good idea, um, certainly. Very interesting when talking about the salary cap as I got into some of that with him, asked him about, you know, Garrett and, and the Browns' challenges with the cap in the future and their ability to sign all these players. And and then with, you know, the idea that, that people have been talking about the 2021 cap going down potentially, he said that he has heard potentially, and this is, like he said, nothing in stone in a fluid situation, but um, they could artificially inflate the 21 cap potentially by financing uh, um, from future years to make sure that that cap gets, you know, that bump from, as he uses an example, from 175 to maybe 200 um, you know, million, and then that that would then, you know, be um, filled in behind with uh, pulling, you know, extra funds or extra financing from future years. Uh, so interesting stuff there, very interesting. And then uh, he also talked about um, what they'll call the NFI or potentially the NFI, the non- uh, football injury list, which would be for positive COVID-19 or coronavirus tests, uh, and uh, where each player that was uh, forced to go on the NFI list or non-football injury list would be uh, paid a specific amount uh, for that two-week quarantine period, positive tests, back in the player pool. Um, so interesting there as well. All of that fluid, as he said, uh, and will remain fluid as they continue to try to gather more information. But uh, the best takeaway for me from the whole thing is that he thinks the 2020 season will go um, because, uh, you know, of some research that he's looked into that the virus is somewhat weakening, a lot of asymptomatic and less serious cases. Uh, he mentioned some studies from Italy, uh, University of Pennsylvania, CDC. Um, so really good information from Tony Pauline, tremendous guest today. Thank him again. Huge, huge thanks. I mean, it was that was unbelievable. Got to get him back, Mikey. Got to get him back again. I mean, he is, he is a top-notch uh, insider there. So thanks again to Tony and Pro Football Network for the time, uh, as that was out amazing. Let's jump into some stuff that I want to hear real quick. Cam Newton to the New England Patriots. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, man is right. But comes out today... $550,000 is all he's guaranteed? Oh, man! I mean, that is some serious low-ball stuff from the Patriots. <laughs> Only the Patriots, right? Uh, 550k guaranteed, One point, about $1 million 
uh, base salary for the one year. Uh, he, he will get a 700K uh, per game roster bonus. And then the rest of it is he can make, I mean, he can make up to seven and a half million in incentives, but $5.25 million in incentives available after those roster bonuses could get him to a total of $7.5 million. So that's if he starts, gets his roster bonuses, I'm assuming puts up relatively good numbers. I'm sure some of those incentives are, you know, probably having to do with starts. Some probably have to do with touchdowns. Some have to do with more things than that, you know, division, whatever. Uh, but if he maxes out, it would be 7.5. Just absolutely shocking stuff there. It, a little bit on the Patriots' offense. I mean, so we what we know about Cam, and the last time we saw him is we saw a deteriorating arm. He looks to be healthy. Um but I expect the Patriots' offense to change. You know, what we've seen from them in the Brady era uh, and McD- with McDaniels and Brady is is that that quick-strike offense. Now, what's interesting enough is the Panthers in 18 tried to do a similar quick-strike attack, uh, and, and it didn't work out so well for Cam. The timing never was really there. And, and they struggled with it. So not the same offense, but still that quick strike, a lot of rubs, a lot of underneath stuff was unsuccessful with him. Um, and, and that's what the Patriots have been doing. Look for that change probably, and this is probably pretty obvious, to a run heavy. You know, they got a lot of backs in the, in the Patriots, a lot of backs that can do different things. You know, James White and Edelman are your two best weapons at this point. Uh, now, there's guys on the free agent market. The thing about the Patriots, though, with the guys on the front free agent market is they already had Josh Gordon. They already tried the Antonio Brown experiment. So, you know, guys that you might want to take a shot at, you know, they've already done. They've already been through that. And, uh, you know, who knows? So, I think they're probably looking at, you know, they want Harry, their first-round pick, uh, to to really develop into a good wide receiver. I think he can be a good player. Uh, of course, uh, they'll be using, I think, um, probably kind of a circa what the Panthers did in like 15, in 2015 with Cam, um, you know, zone read, uh, run heavy, uh, different backs. Um, I think that's what you're going to see from them. You know, you got to remember that, you know, McDaniels goes all the way back to taking Tebow with a high pig and uh, taking that Broncos team into the playoffs and upsetting the Steelers and everything with, with Tim Tebow. So, um, and the Tebow Cam. Newton connection goes all the way back to Florida, which uh, where Cam was uh, Tebow's backup before transferring to Auburn. Interesting enough, but yeah, so um, certainly a better thrower, no comparison uh, when you talk about Cam Newton or or bet you just a better football player in general. But Cam Newton with the New England Patriots and just that touch on what to expect from them off offensively. Uh, they are not giving him starting job. They say whatever he's going to start. Stidham, they're still high on. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Brian Hoyer also on that roster. Um, I guess is going to be a quarterback competition. I, I don't know, Mikey. What do you? If, who knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. No, I can't imagine that being a quarterback competition. It's got to be Cam's job, right? Uh, but interesting enough, some news came out on this. The Patriots and the Browns were the only two teams to talk to Cam Newton uh, before he signed with the Patriots. Now, I reached out to a couple people about this, like, and my question was like this, basically, why like what the hell why why would the browns even 
have an interest in talking to Cam Newton, you want to bring Cam Newton in as a backup when you're already paying a backup a bunch of money here. He seems like the perfect backup in Case Keenum. What you want to try to see what's there with Cam Newton and bring him in behind Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's just asking for a total disaster, right? Like, why even entertain that thought was my my question. And they both people told me that just kicking the tires, just kicking the tires. Okay, that's fine. Kicking the tires, due diligence, whatever, due diligence, pardon me, whatever. But seriously, though, that's crazy. That's crazy talk. What I mean, why would you even entertain the thought of bringing Cam Newton in here this year? Is my thought. Like, okay, you've invested a first round, first overall pick in Baker Mayfield. This is his year. We expect him to explode onto the scene. We've got an offense and weapons around him that benefit him tremendously. An offense, I think, that will play to his strengths. A huge running game behind him. Um, and you want to bring in Cam. I mean, that would just... that Seriously, I just can't see how that would be productive in any way. I just imagine that being completely counterproductive just as we talked about before and other outlets have talked about that cam newton can't just go be a backup for somebody because what happens when he goes to be a backup for somebody pretty soon the players are saying hey you seeing cam out there throwing darts everywhere i mean i mean he's better than most of the starters so is he better than Baker Mayfield? I don't know, but it's an intriguing thought. Why even go down that road? I don't get it, but told they were just kicking the tires, so I'm not going to fuss and throw a fit over it, but I am going to say that to me, just even entertaining the idea is puzzling. I'll just leave it at that. The NFL has uh, cut... Preseason game one and four. So, uh, just to make it official, August 22nd at Green Bay will be preseason game one for the Browns, uh, at least to this point, August 30th at home. That's a Fox national TV game against the Minnesota Vikings. So, you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, um, and we are... Uh, found where all popular podcasts are found will be published tomorrow morning on a sucker free Friday for sure uh, at USA Today Sports Media Groups the Browns Wire.com. A uh, couple other things going on in the NFL, real quickly Chris Jones threatening to sit out uh, a year if he doesn't get the long term. Deal negotiated. He has a franchise tag uh, or tagged uh, him. He can sign that tender uh, by the 15th for $16.1 million. Says he will not do it, probably. Um, And uh, if they don't restructure or or extend him for $20 million a year, um, then he will sit out. This season. Said he got the advice from Le'Veon Bell, who that totally did not work for. uh, Because whenever you do this, you're you're not going to recover that franchise tag money. It's just you're not going to make that back. I mean, that's that's a guaranteed contract, guaranteed payout. And it puts you in a situation in the following year to really put the screws to the team. I, I don't get it. Anyways, uh, Jamal Adams wants out of uh, the New York Jets, uh, wants to go to the Cowboys. We'll see what happens there. Um, once again, I just think he, these guys are getting some bad advice. 
especially with where the league is right now and the uncertainty of where the salary cap's going to go and just the uncertainty in general of everything, uh, why a guy that's under contract for two more years in New York is demanding a trade is beyond me. So uh, I think the Jets have every intention to keep him. I, I don't know. I mean, they don't have to trade him. But now we're talking, you know, hold out this, that. It, it could get uglier, probably will get uglier before it gets better for both sides. Uh, maybe he'll get what he wants. You know, I know I would want Jamal Adams on my team, but uh, that price, I mean, the Jets still have leverage. Two years under contract he has left. Not one, two. So when you have two years left under contract, they can hold out for what they want from the Cowboys or whoever it may be. They're not going to just settle for pennies on the dollar, 50%, whatever. Should hold out for what you think that he is worth 100% because he is a franchise changing player and you just don't appease this kind of behavior and nonsense demanding a trade without getting back exactly what you feel you are owed. I don't know what leverage Jamal Adams thinks he has. All eyes on Cleveland at alleyesoncleveland.com. Go check out the webpage, certainly, and uh, uh, we continue to interview the top personalities in the Cleveland sports landscape, the national landscape today with Tony Pauline, uh, and discuss the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns football team. Uh, let's talk, uh, well, let's jump into the mailbag here. Let, let's get into the mailbag, and then we'll get you out of here. Because this interview was so good with Tony, we just, you know, I want to keep the show short, sweet, make it easy to listen to, um, get all the information you need from us. And what a, what an interview, and uh, the, the information included in the interview uh just top top shelf, top men uh, type insider, NFL insider stuff there from Tony. Um, All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast, uh, is proud to uh, present to you all of their apparel, all of our apparel, uh, which you can get at tpublic.com. You can go to my handle, at Ward on Sports, or uh, all eyes on, at All Eyes on Clee. And uh, click on the link and go check out the hoodies, the t-shirts, the long sleeve shirts, the masks, certainly, um, pillows, tapestries, everything that you could want, uh, all eyes on Cleveland. The uh, black t-shirts with the white lettering seem to be a hit, so that's a good thing. Um, be patient on that shipping. Uh, it's They're coming. They're coming. I'm getting emails every day. They're, they're coming out there. They're coming. Uh, so, mailbag. Let's do it. Let's do it, Mikey. Uh, the mailbag. Greedy! Greedy? Huh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, greedy. Uh, let's do the mailbag. I love that clip. I got to play it. So, there is um, the Land Sports <clears throat> checks in with us in the mailbag today at All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, any update on the NFL's plans for travel in the pandemic? I need this season to play. Me too, brother. I need it badly. Um, good news from Tony on that today. As uh, That's probably the best news I've heard. He sounded confident and uh, well-researched on that topic. Uh, it feels that the NFL will play. Um, but yeah, so... The travel and the pandemic. So, 
uh, interestingly enough, good question. Uh, Mike Florio was talking about the potential for teams, a couple other people talking about for teams to not fly in the day before and fly in the day of games, hop off the plane, go to the stadium, dress, get out there, play, change back into your clothes, go back to the plane, no hotel, uh, and that that somehow would be a better or more controllable situation. I don't see it, and I don't think the players will like it. I know the players will probably not prefer that. I mean, that is, as a coach, I wouldn't want to do that. You want to get there, you want, you know, everybody a good night's sleep, waking up where you're playing the game, uh, you know, I don't know if they have to eat their meals six feet apart or whatever it's going to be at that point. Uh, but, you know, eat your meals, do your walkthroughs, get tested, whatever has to happen. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been saying all along when it comes to this COVID-19 thing um, and, and the coronavirus that the rapid response testing that is on the way will be huge potentially for the NFL uh, when you're talking about making sure, being able to test everyone before they go on the field and results right then that day so you know everybody on the field is negative. I mean, creating that bubble on the field, I mean, that's huge, right? Because that's what everybody's concerned about. It's not, it's like, okay, we got these protocols in the, in the locker rooms and the buildings and everything but then when we go on the field it all goes out the window how do you you know how do you explain that sean mcveigh says right how do you you know this is virtually impossible says uh you know harbaugh well not not really not if you are making sure that the players going on the field are not infected you're creating a sem a bubble sort of on the field. Like nobody goes on the field without a negative test. Boom. If they're positive, go into the as Tony said, the potentially what they might call it, the non football uh injury uh list for two weeks and then you come back and then you test and you're positive and you're back on the field. But I don't know. That, that that depends on the rapid response testing, but uh, I'm getting off topic again. Uh, but let's go back. To, yeah, so the travel, that's what has been suggested, an idea that Florio brought up. Uh, a, a couple players actually even spoke out on Twitter, like, nope, not going to do it. Uh, I think Honey Badger, nope, not going to do it. A couple other guys. Like, nobody, they don't want to do that. They want to get their day early. I understand because you're asking for an injury to happen. Getting off a plane and going and playing football is asking for injuries to happen. you got enough to worry about with injuries uh, just in football in general and now the coronavirus. Uh, that is just, I think, asking for more trouble. I would expect travel. I don't expect teams to get there like two days early like they may have in the past, but at least a day early, maybe a little bit shorter trip times uh, to get guys in and out. Um, but the idea of going same day, and I know I know the Steelers did it a couple years ago for whatever reason they were doing it at the time, um, and they won, and they flew out on the same day. But, but I think you're asking for potential injury issues. It's going to be key to pay attention to these injury issues in general, and it's going to be important for um, coaching staffs, trainers, to really ease these guys back in. There's the potential for a lot of soft tissue, ACL injuries coming off of you know, no OTAs, whatever training they were doing at home, coming into camp. Uh, it's going to take some easing into that and then even getting into football shape on top of that. 
Um, Got to be real careful here. That's that's tricky stuff, and I'm sure you're going to see some injuries, unfortunately, but they got to make sure you limit those as well. You can't be so much focused on one thing that another gets neglected, right? Uh, The other question tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland uh, from the mailbag is NEO against the world, Northeast Ohio against the world. Certainly is, sir. Thank you for contributing. If Clowney deal doesn't happen, what's the next option, or will the Browns stick with what they have? I think it's very possible they stick with what they have. Uh, If we talk about, um, you know, the Adrian Claiborne signing, um, and then, you know, having Olivier Vernon uh, and uh, Garrett, um, and then, you know, that's you're going to have guys there uh, that can fill both both sides. You can have a nice little rotation with Claiborne there. Um, a lot of people think it's a it's a the this Vernon deal because it's so flexible. You know, you can just flip the fifteen out, fifteen million dollar one. You know, million dollars no dead money, out for uh, another contract. A lot of people think that that's the way they should go. I would like to see them keep Vernon. Uh, I think he's played well last year when he was healthy and I think is a really good locker room guy and a guy that went through it last year. There's a lot of value for me having him a part of it this year. Uh, but when you're asking about the other options, you have Yannick, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, the defensive end um, with the Jaguars. Now, he has a franchise tag. He wants out. They're going to probably have to trade him, but they're going to want a number one pick, and he's going to want a $20 million deal. Uh-uh. I just don't think the Browns can do that. Uh, financially when looking at paying all these other guys. Uh, you know, when you talk about Garrett's extension, uh, potentially Nick Chubb, we talked to Tony about. He said he thought he was a second tra- second contract, special type of back, uh, depending his fit into Stefanski's offense. Um, but you've got Joby, who will be a free agent at the end of this year. I feel like he needs to be signed, potentially. Ward... Uh, Mayfield, of course, there's a lot of guys that are going to need paid. So um, that financing of the uh, salary cap in 2021 would really help the Browns. But uh, the other options you're looking at, to answer your question, uh, at the defensive end position or, you know, that play the end position, maybe call it outside linebacker, but we're talking edge, right? Edge. E-D-G-E, all caps, EDGE. Uh, obviously, the the other popular name out there is Everson Griffin. No real market on him yet. Now, he made like 7 mil last year. I would expect him between be between 10 and 7 this year. He's a leader. Uh, he may want a multi-year deal. I don't know. If you could get him for like one year, six or seven million, and keep Vernon, I'd be down for it. Uh, Marcus Golden, I talked about on a previous show. Um, he is on that weird, uh, unrestricted free agent tender. Uh, so there's a clock on that. July 22nd is the date. He had 10 sacks last year. Uh, he is due 110% of his 19. Uh, 2019 salary, which is with some quick math here, 5.225 million. Uh, if it gets to the 22nd, he's automatically retained by the Giants, and he gets paid that amount, 5.225. So there's your market that sets the market. If if somebody comes in and wants him, they can go higher than that before the 22nd. It gives you exactly 20 days if you're interested in the Marcus Golden Edge from the Giants, probably their best defensive player last year. The other guy's name that gets 
bandied about is uh, Clay Matthews the third. He's 34 years old. Uh, interesting note: the Ravens offered him more money than the Rams last year, uh, and he ended up signing with the Rams. So thought that was interesting. Potential landing spot this year. Ravens, probably, right? If they liked him that much, uh, they may go try to get him again. So um, there is there is that, of course. A lot of people would love to see him in the brown and orange because um, of the history there and his dad, but he is 34 years old. He still can rush the passer, certainly, uh, situationally, uh, third down, you know, uh, pass situations could help in a rotation for sure. Uh, you have been listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, one of my favorite episodes we have done so far. Please enjoy the interview. Listen to it twice. Uh, Tony Pauline was fantastic. Hope you enjoyed the stuff we just covered, the mailbag, everything that we do here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Doing big things, uh, trying to do uh, for you and uh, keep coming back keep listening uh, Mikey's gonna get us uh, up and out of here uh, in a moment but um, yeah make sure you go check out the uh, show uh, go to Pro Football Network and check out Tony's uh, stuff for sure uh, as he is outstanding uh, Pro Football Network uh, is uh, where uh, his stuff is found uh, and he is the co-host of two um, podcasts, uh, NFL Draft Insiders and NFL Draft Analysts, I believe is what he said, or experts. Uh, so, a lot of content there. Um, this has been a great episode. Mikey on his P's and Q's. Uh, another episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. I am Brad Ward. That is Mikey on the ones and twos. Hope you enjoyed. Big thanks to Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network. You can catch our show where all popular podcasts are found. For Mikey, I am Brad Ward. We are out. Cause kids got me busting like a fucking hornet They say I got next, tell them that I got now It's all Disney, boy, my family proud Make them say L, make them say O The hoes that tell me yes, the same ones that tell you no Whoa, I ain't just an average Joe Way above the average flow, boy, my life is most dope No matter where life takes me, find me with a smile Pursuit to be happy, only laughing like a child I never thought life would be this sweet It got me cheesing from cheek to cheek, ay, ay. And I ain't get away for nothing Cause that just ain't my style Life couldn't get better this gon' be the best day ever If it ain't about the dream, then it ain't about me Go a couple full weeks without a good night's sleep Imagination, making, musical creation The journey that I'm facing, plus the paper that I'm chasing Got me crazy after saying with the lanes I see you hating But there's nothing that you changing, thumbs up I'm maintaining No complaining when it's raining, I'll be in another zone Move out my mother's home to a world to call my own I ain't gonna play around no more Find a difference from the ground and the floor If we gotta fight, I'll be down for the war Thumbs up, homie, I'll be sure No matter where life takes me Find me with a smile Pursuit to be happy, only laughing like a child I never thought life would be this sweet It got me cheesing from cheek to cheek ay, ay. And I ain't gonna wait for nothing Cause that just ain't my style Life couldn't get better this gon' be the best day ever Greedy! Greedy? Huh Alright <laughs> Greedy Yes sir <laughs>